0: And so in 1 Samuel, God had called Saul to a specific task. And he was to go and uh, kill the enemy and utterly wipe them out. Everything. People, animals, everything. And yet, in his thought processes, he would bring it back the best. He brought back the best animals, and he even brought back the king. For the purpose of, he said, sacrifice, to offer unto God the best of the spoils. And yet God had a word for him through the prophet. He said in 1 Samuel 15, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying The voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So many times in our life, we think we're doing God a favor. We think we're helping God alone, that God needs us. I I, I want to reiterate, God wants us, but God doesn't need any of us. And we're all expendable everyone is expendable. Every business that we work at, every church that we're a member of, every team we've ever played for, it will continue if they choose without us. What matters? More than anything, as Solomon explains in chapter 5, in the laboratory of life, that obedience is more important than sacrifice. Obedience and sacrifice. We go through life and we have decisions to make. And every moment we have to make them. And many a time they're at the spur of the moment. And that's why it's so important that we're prayed up. That we are listening up. That we're walking in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Walking in the spirit and not after the flesh. We never know When that next major decision may pop up, we do not know when the next time Satan is going to confront us and challenge us whether we truly follow God or not. And so, in the first seven verses of chapter five, this morning we look at this lab that Solomon runs on the difference between obedience and sacrifice. He says in verse 1, keep your foot when you go to the house of God. It literally means watch your step. Now, I I can remember one very explicit time here, but in every church that I pastored, there were big steps going up to the worship center. Every one of them, older, you know, shotgun type sanctuaries, and there was at least eight steps going up to every one of those things, And, and it always... Whether consciously or unconsciously, it always worried me about tripping and falling in front of everyone. And there was one Sunday or one meeting here we had. I got to the bottom of this step right here and missed it. Missed the step, hung the heel. Somebody was standing there. I just, if they weren't standing there, I'd have went through about two rows. And it was because I was looking around and not looking at where I was going and missed that last step. Solomon said so often in our life, we're looking at all the things. We're looking at what we are doing rather than what God wants. He says when we come to the house of God, we need to be watching our step. And so this morning, I want to begin by looking at this principle. We need to watch our worship. We need to watch our worship. It's not in the multitude of words or in whatever genre of songs that we prefer over another. It is in the matter of the heart and the head coming before a holy God realizing we're not. We need to watch our worship, first of all, by listening with our heart. He said, watch your step when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. We need to listen with our heart. You see, wisdom is in listening, not talking. So often we want to tell everybody everything that we feel like we know that can fix everything else. We're in a world of telling everybody everything. And now we're living in a world of 280 characters where brothers and sisters in Christ are literally bashing one another in the body of Christ, rather than if they have an issue going one-on-one. It has become a, a, a world of talking rather than a world of listening. Many of us grew up in a world when we were young, we were supposed to be seen and not heard. We were to stand behind and not usurp the authority of the adults in the room. You see, when we come into God's house, it's not our church, it's His. It is about worshiping the risen Savior who is Christ the Lord. Realizing that God is creator. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. Listen, God is omniscient. God knows your heart when you don't even know it yourself. God is omnipresent. God was with you last night as well as this morning. We do not check God at the door, nor do we pick him up out of the closet. When we come in. But when we are in the Spirit of God, we're allowing that person, in, uh, God in the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to exercise His freedom over our lives. When we say, yes, Lord, we have surrendered our all, and it is swallowed up into the point that we say, God, what have you got to say to me today? Rather than, I'm going to come today, and I'm going to bless everybody's heart. Now, Ryan, that was a great song because it was so meaningful. I mean, never changing. That word, never changing. I always think about Hebrews. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You understand when you came in to this place, God's not in these walls. God is not in this building except for in believers. It's not about the building at all. This is a place to be honored. But we recognize it as a place of worship. So it ought to be a place uh, of being sacred, a place of being humbled. And when we come, we ought to come with a spirit to listen with our heart, not just with our ears. I think that's what the angel was telling John in Revelation, for those who have ears to hear. It means they were willing What's God got to say to me today? Through Sunday school, through the songs, through the message, through someone's prayer, th- through giving. What is, God, what is God trying to say to me today? I can't stand it. I've I, just about quit watching any kind of uh, news because all they do is talk over each other. And, and they're always interrupting each other. It, I was just raised that was rude. And I don't mind hearing various points of opinion as long as it's not all at the same time. And yet, there's so much busyness in our life, and we're talking over God. We're talking over what God is wanting to do in our life. What does God want us to hear today? And let me personalize it. What does God want me to hear with my heart? What is it that needs to be changed? Ezekiel said, God created me a new heart. Some of us, our hearts are dead to the hearing of the Spirit. We have cauterized it. We have seared our conscience with a hot iron. He said, watch your step by watching your worship. Listen with your heart. But when we listen with our heart, not, not in the emotional sense, but though I believe that when we hear God speak to us, there will be some kind of emotional outcropping, whether it's laughing, smiling, crying, you know. When God moves in people's lives, people are moved. People are moved at the awesomeness of God, the total package, if you will, of how big God is. Do Do you ever just sit back and say, man, how big God is? How big is our God? How wonderful, and yet In his preeminence, he is transcendent and imminent in our daily lives. That that whether we're at work or at play or just sitting on our couch at home, as believers, God is real and God is there in us and wanting us to hear. Has God ever spoke to your heart in the midst of noise? You may see a billboard. You may hear a little snippet. It don't even have to be a Christian song. But something that grabs you and God says, Hey, I'm a big God. And I'm here for you. Are we learning with our head? You see, what does God want to teach us today? And each day of our lives? Can I tell you who's the students of God here today? If you need to see and 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 realize whether you are still a student of God, Uh, you can hold your hand up about this close in front of your face and blow, and if if you feel breath, then you're a student of God. We're never too old to learn. And, And we're never too learned to learn more. We've never reached the pinnacle. We may think we've got it figured out, but he said, Take heed lest ye fall. For pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We need to learn with our head that we're really not that big of a deal. God wants to teach us how to be a better parent. God wants to teach us how to be a better friend. God wants to teach us how to be a better pastor. God wants us to be better at what he's called us to be so that we can reach our world for Christ. We need to learn with our head. He said, be ready to hear much quicker than to give the sacrifice of fools. Have you ever done something, and it may have been 20, 30, 40 years ago, and just the memory of it just embarrasses you? Just the memory. Thinking, what was I thinking? Well, the truth is we wasn't. We wasn't. We were acting on the impulse. We were acting out of the, the, the subconscious, unthinking flesh to grab what we wanted and to do what we thought would fulfill us at the point of our lives. But we must learn from that. Number one, God's grace is greater. Amen? But it doesn't mean that we forget it to the point that we can't learn and grow. Grow so that we don't follow the same stuff that we've already done. We need to learn with our head. What does God want to teach us today? Is God trying to teach us to be humble? Is God teaching us patience? You say, oh, you don't ever pray for patience. Well, the Bible says you're not going to get to virtue without patience. No patience, no virtue. It builds. they are building blocks in the faith. Fruits of the Spirit, is God teaching us love, mercy, tenderness, temperance, long-suffering? What is God focusing on in your life today? And may I say, it goes with everything in life. We face problems in our life, don't we? Financial, emotional, physical, relational, I mean all kinds of problems. And sometimes there are a bunch of little things, nothing major, But when you look at all of them at one time, it becomes a little overwhelming, doesn't it? But if you learn, there's an old book called uh, How to Eat the Elephant. And it literally means, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so often we see all the problems. God's wanting to teach us, but I can tell you, God it's not going to overwhelm you. He said he's not the author of, author of confusion. God is trying to teach you something today. Get focused. Narrow it in and say, God, what do you want from me today? Not for next week and next year and 10 years. I'm going to tell you. I'll be honest with you. I have a problem with that. I, I, I want to look and see where am I going to be in five years and what am I going to be in 10 years and what do, what do I do about this and retirement and houses and vehicles and and, and it becomes very overwhelming and usually what happens when we become overwhelmed by looking at it all at one time we do nothing you ever got up on a Saturday morning and said okay I've got all this stuff to do I'm a list guy I have to because if I don't have a list and look at the list then what I'm going to do is look at all of it and go make another cup of coffee and think about it and nothing gets done in our church life in our parental life in our life uh, of vocation are we learning with our head what God wants uh, in spiritual matters growing in the word studying to show ourselves approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth if you don't read this book you can't learn of it this book is living and life-changing. And though I may be able to preach the Word, I am not the Word. And I may make notes. I read a great thing last night that was, that was very sobering to me. It said, if I have to lose my notes on my sermon, or the Word I'm going to preach that sermon out of, let my notes be lost every day. May I, if only I have the Bible, I have enough. Amen. We don't need the prognosticators. We do not need the talking heads to tell us how to build a church or how to do anything else, though we can learn from great teachers. But the greatest of them all is Jesus. Let us get in this book. Let us put our hearts and our heads into the Word of God that it may speak to us daily so that when we come in here we we come with a glad and grateful heart ready to worship, not Wonder what the preacher's gonna say today. Wonder what songs they're gonna say. I don't like him, so I wish they'd sing these songs. They always ask him for money. why does the youth do this? What about the children? They're always doing stuff with the children. Always something looking around, rather than coming into the presence of God saying, Woe is me! May we go back with our head and our heart to a publican stance, which is laying face to the floor. Before a holy God, smoting our breath, saying, "God, woe is me. For I don't even deserve to lift my head in your presence. Do you know the one thing that binds us all together in this room today is that nobody's worthy. Nobody, nobody, is worthy to come into the presence of a holy God today. I mean, think about it. Moses got that point and just the Shekinah, the glory of God, as it began to broadcast out from the presence of God, he thought himself to be dead. And God reached up and put his hand over Moses so that just the the glow of God wouldn't strike him dead. And we're going to come bebopping in here Like, God, I know you're glad I'm here today. We need to learn with our head. God don't play. God's real. Amen? We had National Day of Prayer this past week. Man, we had a wonderful time. Philip's brother, Kevin, did an outstanding job to see Ronnie Floyd and Steve Gaines, leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, at the... White House and praying with our vice president, our president, praying for God's will to be done. May we listen with our head. May we listen with our heart. May we learn of God. He said, come and learn of me. Jesus wants us to know him. Solomon said, it's much better. It's Much better to listen and to learn. And when we do, to look. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I have favorite authors. If you're a reader, you have favorite authors. There's just some I like to read after. I mean, I like to read Tozer and Wiersbe. I love to read uh, Red Path and Leonard Ravenhill is probably as my favorite of them all. But you know, All except for Wearsby are not even living anymore. And Wearsby is, I guess, close to 90 years old. And as great a writer and commentator as those men were and men of God, I mean, some of the greatest books ever written, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Jesus is their author and finisher. They look unto Jesus. And they point, and anyone worth their salt will not point at themselves, but point toward Jesus. They'll not point out everybody else's fault, but will come before a holy God and say, God, I'm guilty. Looking unto Jesus, first, last, and always. May we look at Jesus. Church, we said before, if we'll lift Him up, If we'll lift him up, if we'll point, if we'll defer, if everything puts Jesus first, he'll draw men into him. He does the working. Paul said, I plant Apollos' waters, but God gives the increase. May we come into the house of God watching our step, watching our worship. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And I tell you, he's going to know before you do what you're going to do this week, may we seek to honor Him, listening, learning, and looking unto Jesus. But not only should we watch our worship, but look in verses 2 and 3. Do not be rash with your mouth or sudden with your words. Let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Not only should we watch our worship, we need to watch our words. He said, Choose wisely. Choose wisely. So often, we speak before we think. I, I think that one of my favorite moments that still lasts with me, I really learned something from the old Andy Griffin show, was when he said something that made his girlfriend mad. You know, she was the pharmacist, and she worked down there. And, and They were on a date or something, and he said something that kind of belittled her and kind of talked down to her. She flew hot. And he reached out with his hand and he acted like he was grabbing the words and putting them back in his mouth. But it's kind of like that bullet that goes out that gun. It can't come back in that barrel. Once the words are out, they're out. And people may forgive and people may may grow through it, but they're still there. They tell me that if it goes on the internet now, it will be there through the end of the age. There's no way to ultimately and completely wipe it out of existence. Every time you type something, every time you send a snap, even though it may disappear after somebody clicks on, all that stuff, they have built these huge, massive containment buildings out west that does nothing but house all the info coming through. They say that a computer on an average new vehicle holds somewhere in excess of 200 times more capability than the first space shuttle. Y'all remember the O two fifty six 256 computers? No track printer, you know, Well, this morning, I tried to get on my computer and it kind of locked up for a minute. And and I'm texting Michael Smith, man, I need you in my office. And I'd waited, I mean, I'd waited like 30, 40 seconds. (laughs) We're used to being able to point clear, and I mean, it's there, touch of our fingers. We'll sit around and be talking about some kind of something back in the day, and we'll talk about. You know, if I'm talking sports with somebody and I'll say, well, didn't, didn't so-and-so play for so-and-so back in 1986? I thought he played for Well, All you got to do is Google it. You Google it and somebody will tell you where they played and what their statistics were and all of that kind of stuff. Listen, we better choose our words wisely. Choose our words wisely. What he tells us is, and what he's really pointing at, so often we come out with careless praying. I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of being so hungry. I just go through a ritualistic prayer just so I can say I prayed over my food. I'm guilty sometimes. Sometimes I'm right in the middle of this. Heavenly Father, thank you for this food and all you mean blessings. Go with God's us and all the things we do in Jesus' name. And God says, whoa, whoa. You don't mean a word, you just say it. Matter of fact, you, you haven't even thought of me. You're just trying to do it to appease me. Be careful when we pray. Amen? Stop. Stop and say, am I praying for things that are Christ-honoring? Am I praying for that which is God's will? Am I worshiping in my prayer? He said, do not let your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. So often I've heard of people making deals. There was an old movie called The End with Burt Reynolds, old movie, old movie. And Burt Reynolds was, I don't know what he was in this movie, but he had decided life wasn't worth living anymore. And he said, I'm going to drown myself. And he goes as far out off the beach as he could. And he's going to get so far out, he couldn't get back and just drown. And he got out there and he began to tread water And then he started getting tired, and then he started realizing, I'm going to die here, and he started making God deals. Oh, God, if you'll get me back, I'll do this. Oh, God, I I don't want to die. Oh, God, I wasn't thinking. Oh, God, help me, and I'll be anyway. You know, people promise to be missionaries and give a pile of money and all this stuff. It always cracks me up. If I win the lottery, I'll give 10%. I'm going to tell you something. I almost would venture to say God's not holding his breath. God's not looking for your deal. If you're not willing to lay it all on the line and say, God, really it's all yours anyway. What are you going to do in your dealings if God doesn't give you bread? God doesn't give you the physical ability to accomplish that. We need to choose our words wisely when we pray. And remember, the worst thing that can happen to a believer is to pray for that which is not God's will and God allow it. So, well, God wouldn't do that. Let me remind you. The children, the Hebrew children got tired of manna. Are you tired with what God's gave you? It's not good enough anymore. It was good 20 years ago, but it's not good enough now. Well, God just knows my heart. He just wants me to be happy. Really? I want to tell you, your heart doesn't override the word. doesn't change truth. doesn't change doctrine. Sin still sin, and God wants what is best for you, which is his will. Can I tell you real quickly, the punchline, if you've got any questions about what to pray, just simply say, In Jesus' name, let your will be done, period, and leave it there. But what happened was the Hebrew children got tired of manna, and they wanted something else. And God sent them quail. Now, that sounds like a really good idea to me, except for the fact that's not what God said he wanted them to have. And yet they kept on, they kept on, they kept on, and God sent them. And God sent them so much that they got sick off of them. And the psalmist records, and God granted their request, but he sent leanness unto their soul. Be careful what you pray for. You might get it. You might get it. You want your kid to be the best athlete in the world? Are you willing to sacrifice their spiritual walk for it? I just don't understand why my... Why my 22 year old, my 26 year old doesn't care anything for God anymore? It's because too often we prayed for them to be exactly where they're at be famous and successful and beautiful and handsome and strong and rich and all of these things. And we never stopped and said, God, I want them to be centered in your will, to marry the person you want for them. To to lead, when have we ever, we stop and we ask kids all the time, in two weeks we'll have Dr. Dallas, president of Shorter University here, preaching to honor our graduates. So often, and I do the same thing, I'll ask students, juniors, seniors, where are you going to college, what do you want to do, what are you majoring in? When's the last time you looked at your child, your grandchild, or someone you know and says, what does God want in your life? What is God's will for your life? What is God calling you to do? Somebody needs to be a missionary. Somebody needs to be a pastor. Somebody needs to, uh, to be in vocational ministry on staff at churches. Someone needs to be leading the music. Someone needs to be... Uh, playing the instrument. Someone needs to be serving as deacons. There's so many things. But God, listen, here's the thing. God's got a plan for all of us who are believers. And we need to be instilling that in our young people. God has a perfect plan for you. It may not be the picture for the Braves, But it may be. See, my best friend was Chase Whitley's pastor all the way through high school. Those of you big Braves fan, you know he's either getting called up or just got called up. And when he first signed, he pitched for the Yankees, and he's moved around a couple of places. Mark said, I want to tell you something. He said, people talk about Tim Tebow, and it's true. He said, Chase Whitley's that kind of guy. He said he had come home from college. He went to Wednesday night. He went Sunday night. He was at prayer meeting. He said when he'd come home, uh, when, he's, when he wasn't playing, uh, uh, when he was with the Yankees, He was at his little country church in Ramburn, Alabama, worshiping the Lord and serving. Doesn't matter what we do out there in front of the world. Are we choosing our words wisely? Where we lift up, rather than, there's enough tearing down, amen? We need to edify. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And I need to choose my words wisely. And you know what the answer is? And I've learned, but I'm still learning. The wisest thing is, keep my mouth shut till God says, say it. Choose wisely. Be not rash. My mother always said it was talking hard to somebody. Talking down, talking hard, being mean. We need to choose our words wisely, but also we need to choose worshipfully. What edifies the Lord and lifts him up? Are we lifting him up with our words? Quick words tear down. But worshipful words. He says, a dream comes through the multitude of business. What he's saying is, when you work out in the sun, you work hard. Man, you've worked all week in an office. You've worked at the school all week. You've been on the tractor. You've been to whatever. And you just put in the hour after hour after hour. And you are exhausted. Exhausted. That's usually when dreams come the most. The mind runs. He's saying that's what happens in the multitude of work, dreams come. But he says, in light of that, he said, a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. He says, those dreams are just from our bodies being tired. But when we. Come before God. Let our words be few. Let us praise Him. Let us edify our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we build up and not tear down. Let us be worshipful with our words. When we pull up onto this property every time, we ought to be prayed up and ready to offer words of encouragement to those around us. People are hurting in this room today. There's people who are hurting physically. There's people who are hurting emotionally. People who have lost loved ones in the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. People who are having surgery. Someone asked me this morning. Pray for me. I've got surgery tomorrow. Someone else is having this. Someone else is having that. We all have hurt and pains in our life. Amen? Things that nobody else knows. Maybe not even our spouse knows. God knows. And you don't have to know. It always cracks me up on social media. Someone will just put this. Uh, asking everyone to pray for me. Pray for an unspoken request. And it is so... Not even... Not, funny is not even a good word. It's so obvious. The people who will post back. Who will do their dead level best to try to say it in a good Christian way to find out what that prayer request is for? Because everybody likes a good train wreck. Everybody likes to stop and look when the lights are flashing. Everybody wants to know what's going on over there, what's going on in their life. You know, we don't need to know that to know how to pray. We need to pray for strength and encouragement. We need to pray for love and admonishment. We need to pray for that which brings God glory. I think we've got five high school graduates. It's not too early and it's not too late to be praying God's will over their lives. Praying for direction and strength. They don't have a clue what they're going to face. And I don't mean they're ignorant. I mean, we don't know what we're going to face this week. They're going to meet new people. They're going to face new temptations. Things that's going to come out of our life. We need to be worshipful in front of our students. You know how little kids learn? It's not just having vacation Bible school. It's not about... Uh, putting them away so they don't bother us in worship. It's about bringing them in and letting them see what worship looks like from an adult. That's what, they need to hear mama sing. They need to hear daddy pray. They need to watch you put your tithe in the offering plate and teach them the ways of the Lord. Don't wait until they're 18 and two weeks away from graduation to try to cram it all in. Start early. Careless praying, quick words, but then we need to watch our works. He said in verse 4, When you vow a vow unto God, uh, uh, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. You notice that word fool sure is thrown around a lot in this context. He said, pay that which you have vowed. Listen, we need to be honest before God. If you said 10 years ago, I'm going to give X amount of dollars toward paying toward the rock, paying toward uh, the educational building, toward the whole beyond measure thing, and you did not pay that, it's not too late to get that called up. If you have used an excuse because of something that's happened in your life not to tithe and give what God has told you to give, and God is speaking to your heart, and here's the deal, if I'm not speaking to you and you're caught up, then there's no reason to be upset with a preacher for preaching about money, because Jesus said it, Solomon said it, all through the Word, teaching that we ought to give back to God which is rightfully His, And can I tell you, it's a lot easier and a lot more blessed to give. You thought I was going to say to receive. No, to give than for it to be taken. And God will exact it from you. We need to be honest before God. If you've made a vow to God... When I got this age, when my kids got older, I was going to get them in Sunday school, and you keep using the excuse. Well, when work slows down, I'm going to do this. When I get past tax season, when when I get past uh, the end of school, listen, I'm going to tell you, it is time to be honest before God because God knows what you said. And then we start trying to change things. He said, better is it that you Shouldest not vow, then thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel. It's when it comes to exact. oh, it was my mistake, my bad, that it was an error. Wherefore, should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of thy hands? We need to be honest, honest with ourselves and honest with God, but then we need to be ethical. Philip Jensen said, Christians make decisions based on the rightness of the action, not the outcome. We do not follow situational ethics. We say, oh, well, it's really going to be better for everybody, so it's got to be okay. No, that's not the way God does it. God says right is right and wrong is wrong. And if you have told somebody you would do something, but something better pops up, And you're figuring out the best way you know how to get rid of that turmoil in your mind just go on and tell them no you're already booked don't try to figure out a way you can do it without lying because in your spirit you're being dishonest and unethical we will so often we'll volunteer for vacation bible school or something but then somebody offers us Three free nights on the lake, and we're figuring out how in the world can I do it? The shame of it is, we won't even do that anymore. We just come up and say, I ain't going to be there. I got three free days at the lake, and I'd much rather do that than come tell kids about Jesus. We need to be honest. We need to be ethical. Don't make a vow and then just say, well, you know, I was under pressure, and I was being emotional. He said, choose your words wisely. Let them be few. Well, I just say what I think. And he said, yeah, and that's the way a fool's known. In the multitude of words, we need to be honest. We need to be ethical. But notice what he said in verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities, but fear God. But you, he said, fear God. It's one thing to point at somebody else and say, You need to trust God. It's another thing to say, Oh God, may I fear you in the reverential fear of seeing your God and I'm not. He literally says, Do what you say and say what you do. Be honest. Be ethical. Be humble. We need to watch our worship. We want to be worshipful, that our hearts need to be tender and ready. To come, But let us not even strike the first chord until our hearts are ready. May we not utter the first word until we're prayed up and listening. God, what do you want to say to me today? Lord, may I learn of you today in my head. May I look unto Jesus for everything. Lord, may I watch my words. May I choose them wisely. May they be few. And when I speak, may they matter because they're directed by you. He says in the New Testament, study to be quiet. It means to focus. Sometimes we just need to say, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Don't say anything. You ever ever type something in and your thumb is right over that send button? uh, Send. It's S-I-N button too sometimes, and God said, don't you do it. Drop right below it and hit the one that takes it all away. And Say, no, I'm not going to do that. It's not edifying. It's not encouraging. I refuse. I'm going to be wise with my words. I'm going to be worshipful. I'm going to do that which brings honor and glory to the body of Christ And to the Lord and Savior who paid it all. This morning as they come to the instruments. Are you being honest? Have you made a vow before a holy God? God, I'll serve you. Man, I see people walk there. I want to join the church. I want to be baptized. And we don't see them again. I want to do this, preacher. Hey, I want to lead this. I want to do this. But nothing else in their life reflects that their works Bring honor and glory to the Lord. We need to be honest. You can't do the big things and take the big steps until you take the simple step of faith and trusting him, the little steps, of being ethical in your life, being humble in your walk. Obedience outweighs sacrifice. You don't have enough to give God to make him ignore the sin in your life. Only one can do that his name was Jesus. But you can be obedient. Cause your relationship with the Lord to grow deeper. If you're lost, you've tried works, you've tried baptism, you've tried giving, you've tried all these things to ease your conscience. Say, well, I'm good. I'm really good. I've done all this good. God's gotta love me. He's gotta let me into glory. He he knows my heart. Yes, He knows. It's dark as night. And without Jesus Christ, you'll die and go to hell. Today's the day. You need to be honest with your words. Honest with your heart. And you need to come and issue these words. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm lost and have no hope without Jesus. Lord, I confess Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. And I ask you to come in, forgive me, cleanse me, save me, and make me whole. You need to come thank him for it. You need to come and surrender in obedience. So that you will be among those who fear and not the fools. Whatever God's will is for your life, come. Come to him today.